and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. It is our 25th episode, and to celebrate, we have an incredible lineup of new releases, movie news, and our recurring Video Store Corner Classic Film Discussion section. Are you ready? Then we shall begin. This week, we will be reviewing Chris Rock's new horror thriller, Spiral from the Book of Saw, Jason Statham and Guy Ritchie reteaming for more testosterone heist thrills in the cinema-only release, Wrath of Man, and we have Creed himself, Michael B. Jordan, getting his Call of Duty with the Tom Clancy adaptation without remorse. More of that later in this here very episode. This is Miles, and as ever, I'm joined by a man who... During the dark days of our January 2021 lull, propositioned me by making this very point. The point, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love. Knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save the Movie Mouth podcast, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. It is, of course, Phil. Hi, Phil. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> Phil, does blue starfish love anacot steel? Uh, What? It's all right. I'm talking about liquid. How are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. I'm very good. How are you? On this? Little Wall Street insider trading uh, information for you there. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm very good. Very good. I've had one of the best, best weeks of my life, I would say. Have you? Yeah, well. it's good. The world, is, the world is moving and turning as it should be. The sun is shining and the champagne bottles are, have been flowing. And that's all that I'm going to say is about brilliant. that. <laughs> what have you been up to? What have you been watching this week, Philip, my dear boy? What have I been watching? Well, mm. um, started a, well, finished a Deutschland 89. Very good. Oh, yeah, Very much enjoyed it. Sehr gut. Very much enjoyed it. Sehr gut. Sehr gut, yeah. Uh, and we started a new series, which is new to Netflix, called um, White Lines. So this is from the creator of Money Heist. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix mm -hmm. as well. And the producers of The Crown. So it's a bit of a, an interesting mix. So it's about this guy that goes to, like in the 90s, that goes to Ibiza to become um, a DJ. He's from Manchester. And he sort of has a dream, like, you know, run away. He wants to be a DJ. He loves, like, mm -hmm. going to raves and DJing at clubs and stuff like illegal raves and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Moves to Ibiza, uh, gets murdered. And then 20 years later, oh. they... They find his body and his sister um, travels over. His sister's played by um, Laura Haddock. You might have seen mm -hmm. her in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Transformers. And mm -hmm. she uh, she was in the Inbetweeners movie as well. Yeah. And yeah, so she plays his sister. And basically she just stays in Ibiza and tries to uncover the, the plot around his, uh, the circumstances around his death. Uh, it's sort of interesting. It's pretty good. It's all right. It's nothing yeah. amazing. It's really, it looks really good. It's just a bit, um, I don't know. It's a hard one to explain. Like it feels like it's made really well, but then it also feels like a, a rubbish sort of like Spanish um, 
crime TV drama thriller. at the same time. Right. Yeah, right. But it's like, but it's good as well. So it's a bit, I'm a bit conflicted at the moment. But we're about halfway. Does it, does through it have it, like so. an? It has an English and Spanish cast. So there's like yes, a kind both. of mixture of yeah. the two. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like a co-production yeah. between the two countries. Yeah. So it's pretty. It is good though. But yeah. Okay. And that's um, on Netflix now, is it? Netflix right now. Yeah. White lines. Mm-hmm. It's yes, very good. <laughs> lot of content. Lot of content. Yes. Um, I I finished the Bobby Farrelly uh, TV show Louder Milk. Oh yeah, starring Ron Livingston. You mentioning that. Yep. Yeah, the kind of Alcoholics Anonymous type uh, counselling group um, uh, comedy, <laughs> which is actually really really good. I absolutely loved it. It seems to be going down really well with some of the people that I've recommended it to. People who uh, I know would would enjoy it, and uh, they've seemed to be to be enjoying that. You can right. find that on Amazon Prime right now in Europe. I think only one season in Europe and the UK at the moment on Amazon okay. Prime, but all three here in the US. So I'm sure if you have ways of watching things on the US Amazon, then you can do that. But I would never suggest you do that. But there no. you go. Take from that what you will, <laughs> Phil. And off the back of uh, losing um, the, I would say, 25-minute multi-camera comedy with Louder Milk, something that I've been like watching, you know, at the end of the night after, you know, stressful day at work or whatever. Um, I found another one. And this is the the, the highly awarded and accoladed, if that's a word, mm-hmm. um, Netflix's comedy Shit's Creek. Oh, yes. I've heard about this. Which, yeah. So this was recommended to me by a friend who lives down the block from me in New York here. And I have to say, I am really enjoying it. And I'm only in the first season, which I understand is not that great compared to the rest of it. Right. But uh, but I'm really enjoying it. Eugene Levy uh, plays this really good, arrogant, kind of straight guy, father figure. He does it really well, um, which is weird for someone who has such kind of vulnerability and kindness in most of his major roles, like Jim's dad in American Pie. Yeah. And a lot of those kind of Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. But he comes across really well in this. So uh, the whole cast does. And um, I'm really excited to watch all six seasons of that, which is currently on Netflix in Europe, in Europe, the UK, and the US. So more on that as I get through it. Hopefully I'm going to enjoy the rest of it. Sounds good. Uh, All right. Let's jump into this week's news. I'll get us started. And uh, this is kind of coming out of left field, but... In a world overcome by a global pandemic, huge restrictions, lockdowns, a loss of life occurred... To try and spread some positivity and give a safe haven for film and TV fanatics alike, Miles and Phil, a pair of great big fucking nerds, decided to launch the Movie Mouth Podcast. The idea, a beacon of geekiness and a place for you, the listener, to find out which movies or TV to enjoy from your sofa, toilet, or buried under the bed covers as the world burned around us all. Well... In some of the best news we've had the pleasure of reporting for our entire 25-episode run, Monday, May the 17th, will, in the UK, be the start of the easing of COVID restrictions. And our listeners in the UK will finally be able to return to cinemas and movie theatres. There will be social distancing in place. Um, kind of with seats uh, kind of separated by, you know, whatever, you know, you can book a seat and then there are a couple of seats that are reserved next to you. Yeah. um, And behind you. Um, But this marks a huge turnaround for those of you there out there desperate to get back into a big old comfy seat. 
um, huge screens and THX surround sound that would make, of course, good old George Lucas cream in <laughs> his pants. Oh, and popcorn, Phil. You'll be able to get that lovely, warm, sticky, sweet, and salty yeah. popcorn that you so like love. Throwing Reese's Pieces into a bucket of regular popcorn. And just pull it out like a and of like sticky chocolate and peanut butter. and <laughs> Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Come on, there's no. nothing wrong with that. How do you feel about going back to the cinema, Phil? I think it's good. I think it's obviously a good thing that things are opening back up. Um, you know, I think that with the vaccines going out, like everywhere mm. else, they've obviously seen a a decrease in things. So it'd be nice when, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to see a bit of normality coming back. It'd be nice to go inside a pub again, not just mm-hmm. sit outside in the cold and um, huddle around yeah, the point. I think people are. You know, it's important to get it right, but I think people do need it a lot now. You know, they sort of, you know, we had it. It's been quite a while since we haven't been able to do, do things inside. So it's been nice mm-hmm. to see some things coming back. So it was nice. Yesterday I watched the um, FA Cup final on um, on TV, which was at Wembley. That's the, the soccer ball, football. The soccer ball championship. Yep, not, not American hand egg. Okay. And um, they had 22,000 fans there, I think. And it was, the atmosphere looked amazing. So it was just it was just really cool to see a crowd back at an event like that. Obviously, carefully done, spaced Definitely. apart, and things like that. But yeah, Definitely. it's nice to see things getting a, a little bit back to normal. But yeah, I've been to, I've been to the sh- cinema sure. three times since the restrictions eased here in New York. Yeah, and um, you know it's still not there because you haven't got a full screen, which would make no. me nervous. I'm not going to lie; it would make me yeah. feel a little bit uncomfortable um, as things kind of ease back in. I think it's great to add this kind of social distancing, but. For the most part, I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been great being back in a in a movie theater, and particularly, you know, a couple of the films that, that one in particular of the movies that I watched for review this week, I really, really enjoyed just being back and having that like all out visual and audio assault, and just being in a black room, a dark room, just watching, you know, a movie and hearing it and feeling it, and ah, oh, yeah. just not looking at my phone, you know, not you know, not doing anything, just watching the movie. None of the other distractions, yeah, no. Yeah. And that was that was that was really really great. And I, so I have over here an AMC um, Cinema Pass. So I'll be reporting live from the popcorn <laughs> and sticky sweet filled trenches on all of the upcoming releases hitting the big screen. So keeping you all up to date on that. And obviously, while Phil is still kind of easing back into the post COVID lockdown world in the UK, um, he will obviously be you will obviously be diligently watching at home and continuing the. To, uh, to kind of cross the streams of Netflix <laughs> and Amazon Prime and Hulu and HBO and all those other things. So yeah. we will keep you posted. We will keep you going with the new content. It's the first time we've been able to go back and review things in a cinema, really, um, since this whole thing began, since we started the podcast. And mm. we're really, really fucking excited to continue doing that as the world reopens. Indeed. Tell us about your news, Phil. Uh, yes, a couple of bits of news. So first one is that um, Enola Holmes, the Netflix film which came out last year um, with starring Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill, that is officially going to be having a sequel, Enola Holmes 2, also on Netflix. So yeah, it's been announced that they're, um, yeah, they're coming back. They're, they're going to start filming. Um, not sure what the release of it is yet and everything like that, but yes, it is coming back for a second film. It's one that I reviewed, I think, a few months ago. I really enjoyed it. It was, yep. it was good. Um, it feels like, it was it September, I think, September, October last year, I feel like? Something like that, yeah, around then. 
Um, but yeah, no, I'm um, yeah, I'm pleased that's coming back. It seemed to it seemed to go down really well because it was quite a good um, film to cross. Sort of, uh, you know, it was a good family. It was, well, it's based on kids' sort of novels of Sherlock Holmes, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I think it would be a good one to cross the uh, cross the age gap there. Um, so that's that. And then the other one, right. I think you'll be excited by this if you hadn't heard okay. about this. Hang on, I'm strapping myself in. I'm okay, getting into my, uh, when I went to see Spiral from the Book of Saw, I got a special torture chair with like arm straps and leg straps. So I'm just just strapping myself in using my, my teeth. Go for it. <laughs> so, Pulp Fiction stars Bruce Willis and John Travolta are reteaming for the first time in nearly three decades for the Chuck Russell-directed action feature, Paradise City. Have you heard Take about this? Down, where the grass <laughs> Take you the down right there. Um, yeah, so Bruce Willis is to play a renegade bounty hunter, uh, Ryan Swan, who must carve his way through the Hawaiian crime world to wreak vengeance on the kingpin, John Travolta, who murdered his father. Um, apparently it's going to be similar to um, like Michael Mann's Miami Vice, but with bounty hunters instead of cops. <laughs> wow. So that could be good, considering the absolute dog's turds that Bruce Willis has been doing recently. Yeah, I mean, Travolta himself has been in a lot of dog turds as well recently. Also, yeah. Big old stinky piles of dog turd. Have a nice shower off the dog turd. and Why don't they just get Nicolas Cage in there as well and just make it like a a dog turd three-way? We can only dream. They just sit there throwing dog turds at each other, singing the lyrics to... Guns N' Roses, Paradise City. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd pay to watch that. I want to go. I want to go. Oh. <laughs> oh, you hit me with turd. Okay. A bit of sweet corn in that one. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of sweet corn. Even, it's always eaten, sweet. even if you haven't eaten any in years. <laughs> go. Don't even like sweet corn. Um, yeah, so that was it. That was my news. So Enola Home 2. Uh, Enola Home 2 and the new... Travolta Willis action movie. Paradise City. Down for that. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Good trailers this week, wasn't there? Um, Was, yeah. Oh. oh. It's very rare that I've got excited about a trailer and I've texted you it. Would you say? Yes. It's normally the other way around, isn't it? It is normally the other way around. It's you, like, I don't know, perusing YouTube and just finding stuff. Yeah. But, um... I saw a few in the in the cinema before the movies that that I watched this week, mm. um, but the one that I saw at home that I absolutely loved that you should I think you should all check out is the Green Knight, which is from director David Lowry. This is a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, yeah. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, <laughs> this is starring Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander. Yeah, it does sound like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, starring Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, and Sean Harris, an actor who still creeps me out for those uh, of you who remember his role in the Michael Caine movie, Harry Brown. Remember him? Hello, Harry. <laughs> I've taken some drugs. Have you got any drugs? Anyway, and this he looks really creepy and, and cool. So this this kind of reminds me of like a kind of Pan's Labyrinth, kind of mythical epic type thing. Um, that the movie from a few years ago, The Fall, for those of you that, that like that, visually very arresting, uh, and also a shout out for one of my classic favorite movies, The Fountain. Um, and there's also a cute little CGI fox companion that follows oh, yeah. Dev Patel around, which I, I did just see this loved. trailer. Yeah. I was like, oh, 
<laughs> well, I love a little fox, a little CGI fox. I do love fox. a little fox. I do love a little fox. Um, I'd like a little fox to follow me around. That'd be awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, writer-director David Lowry, has got a really eclectic filmography. He did the Casey Affleck movie Ghost Story, uh, which was a real mopathon, but it was a really good movie. Disney's big budget flop, Pete's Dragon, um, and the movie that kind of announced his arrival on the indie scene, which was Ain't Them Bodies Saints. Uh, this this movie, The Green Knight, looks really well shot. It has an incredible cast. I'm hoping that the writing stands up and it offers some thrills as well as just the kind of emotional aspect and the artistic aspect of how it looks. Yeah. I, I hope there's a little bit more substance and a little bit more, you know, a little bit more action and that kind of thing in this. Um, it doesn't look like a balls to the wall, you know, action, medieval action kind of movie. And it, and I'm, that's not what I'm looking for, but hopefully there's a little bit more depth. Um, and also seeing a person of color playing the lead in a medieval story is a really great, it's really great to see Dev Patel, um, who anecdotally is a, a, an actor whose career I've followed, uh, very closely after I was very, very lucky enough to share a makeup trailer <clears throat> with him and, uh, Ooh, la-dee-da, with your makeup drop. trailer friend. Sorry, what was that sound? Oh, it was me name dropping. Um, Jeremy Irons, and I was sandwiched in between the two of them. But anyway, on the set of um, a movie called The Man Who Knew Infinity that I had a very small and pretty much obsolete role in. Uh, and Dev Patel, honestly, really, really, really nice guy. Lovely guy and wish him so much success. And he, I think he looks great in this. So I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, this is coming out on July 31st. Ooh. I love it. You know me. I love anything medieval. I mean, you are medieval. I, I basically am, aren't I? It's mm. like, like uh, if, if I was in a film, it'd be like, you know, what's that film with Brendan Fraser where he's like a caveman and he comes back to modern times? Encino Man. Blast, is that what it's called? What's I the blast in... from the past from then? Oh, no, when he's a caveman. It's not that, is it? I no, when remember. he's a caveman. In the US, it's called Encino Man. In the rest of the world, it's called California Man. Oh, right. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And on the front, okay. he's like an, he's like a um, Neanderthal and then he's kind of going, crouching down then he's on a skateboard on the That's poster. That's it, yeah. That's me, yeah. basically. But I, I'm not quite far, that far back. No, you're just like a medieval blacksmith that's been pulled through time. I got transferred. Yeah, I got like put here in the 80s and I've grown up here and there. So it's mm. like, you know. It's weird. You were apparently, according to your mum, you were born with a mace in your hand. I was, A medieval yeah. mace. I came out actually like swinging it. Clutching it. Yeah, yeah. swinging. Swinging yeah. at the doctors and nurses. <laughs> Get off me, ye fiends. <laughs> <laughs> ye scourge of mine birth date. <laughs> it was quite impressive. Yeah. Um... <laughs> anyway, that was that. Oh, weird image going in my head there. Uh, let's move on. Um... <laughs> Trailer. So I, I saw a couple of trailers. Um this one looks really cool. I think you've seen this one as well. The Protégé. Yes. Um, so this is um, from director Martin Campbell, who uh, also directed Casino Royale. Golden uh, eye with a golden <laughs> eye. Golden eye. Oh, God, he's, he's off. Um, and it's from the same studio that uh, did John the John Wick films. So this has... Good cast. It's got Maggie Q, Michael Keaton, and Samuel L. Jackson in it. Um, 
And it follows Anna, played by Maggie Q, and Rembrandt, Michael Keaton, uh, two of the world's premier assassins who share a mysterious past from Vietnam. Um, for years, they traversed the globe competing for high-profile contracts. But when Anna's mentor, Moody, uh, Samuel Jackson, is murdered, she and Rembrandt must form an uneasy alliance and return to Vietnam to track down his killer. Oh. So... It looks pretty out there, but it looks like a real good sort of, and again, it's like, it's John Wick, isn't it? But with a female lead. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it looks cool. It's really cool. There's a really cool fight scene in the trailer between her and Michael Keaton as well. Like him getting slammed through a glass table and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mad, but I'm I'm quite looking forward to it. It looked good as well. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny. Like I went to see Spiral from the Book of Saw and before the movie, which is starring my, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm. I also had the trailer for uh, this, The Protégé. Yeah. So there was Samuel L. Jackson. The next trailer was The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife, also, <laughs> also starring featuring. Samuel L. Jackson. So it was just like me sitting <laughs> wow. there screaming motherfucker at the screen the whole time. Motherfucking yeah. Samuel L. Jackson movie! <laughs> it was uh, good. It looks exciting. Yeah, no, that's that. good. So that's, down, that's, out on, um, that's out on August 20th. Oh. Uh, Okay. Um, so not long, not long. Um, actually, that's quite a long time. But yeah, it's, it's you know, what? it's been it's been a while. Like Maggie Q, she kind of came onto the scene in a few things, but she's never really like hit her potential. She hasn't really been like a main no. lead in something. No, so it's good to see. Yeah, it's nice to see someone fresh, like you know, definitely a, a lead in a film like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other one I saw, I don't know if you've seen about this, but this looks really cool. So this is a documentary. It's the new Edgar Wright directed documentary mm-hmm. um, called The Sparks Brothers, uh, yeah. which is also out on August 20th. But um, So this is about Ron and Russell Mayle, who created cult rock and pop band Sparks, mm-hmm. um, for those who don't know. So it looks like, you know, a really interesting story who, of a pretty like out there band that have influenced a lot of people, but probably aren't as well known as they should be, you know, but they, you know, you just look at the people that are interviewed in the documentaries of like a massive list hmm. um, that pops up in the trailer and there's loads and, hmm. you know, so it does, but it looks really good. There's a good archive footage in there and just, it just looks like a really fun documentary that's going to hmm. be, going to be good. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Yeah. It's good to see Edgar Wright involved with something like that as well. It's always good when you get like a, a documentary about a band whose name, you know, but you couldn't really, you can't really name the hits or you don't really know a lot about yeah. them. You know, yeah, that's always good to get that you, kind of background on these things. Do you know what it reminded me of when I was watching the trailer as well? Because I don't know if you saw it, but a few years ago, well, quite a few years ago now, they released Anvil, um, the, oh, the yeah. documentary on Anvil, and um, yeah, it's that kind of thing. It's like you know they were a band that introduced uh, that, uh, you know, they um, influenced a lot of famous bands, uh, but no one really knew who they were. You know, they mm. were still pretty small, and they never made it as big as they should have done, considering. Yeah. Um, it's just you know bad luck and sort of not knowing the right people or getting the right opportunities. But mm. it sort of reminded me of that. It's that kind of thing where, but yeah, so it could be good. Could be good. Looking uh, what was that one? What was it called? The Sparks Brothers. Sparks from the Book of Sparks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's my trailer. Anything that Edgar Wright's attached to, we are down for, of course. Definitely. Okie dokie. Sounds good. All right. It's time for the review section. And this week I've had a few people mention to me that they sometimes can kind of fast forward or skip some of our reviews as they're concerned about spoilers. How dare um, 
or potentially being, yeah, how, how bloody dare you? Or potentially being <laughs> led to view the movie in a negative or a positive way before they've seen it. But we just want to go on record to say that we do our best not to spoil anything. We only hit on the general plot points, performances, and direction. We'll never really give you more than that. We, we also hate spoilers. And I promise you, if you spoil a movie for Phil, he will come to your house in the night and he will spoil you. So, um, with my mace. With his, with his mace. He will yep. s- swing that thing like hell for leather. I will and- cave your face in with my mace <laughs> until it's a bloody pulp. So you can never spoil go any film ever again. I was. And if you spoil if you spoil the movie for me, I will come to your house and I will spoil your toilet bowl. Um, <laughs> At the same time as me caving their faces with a mace. <laughs> wow! Just absolutely. I won't really pandemonium. do that. I'm not threatening anyone. I will definitely. I will definitely do. Or that am I? You. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's move on. So. This uh, movie, the first movie in the franchise, or is it, since 2017's Jigsaw, this sees Chris Rock's loose cannon detective Zeke Barnes on the trail of a criminal mastermind who unleashes a twisted form of anti-police justice and torture in the form of Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yes, it's Spiral from the Book of Saw, the weirdly named movie which could have just been called Spiral, but I felt like they added from the Book of Saw so that people realized it was part franchise, of the franchise. Franchise, isn't it? Franchise. Franchise. This takes the franchise in a more of a detective thriller direction, ushering out the Friday night makeout fest atmosphere and moving in a new David Fincher-like direction. That uh, Spiral so closely resembles his masterpiece, Seven, is so unflinchingly obvious that when it issues the brows, uh, the brow fur- furrowing and hand in your gun and badge dialogue, uh, we kind of then cut to jump scares and tongue pulling torture scenes. It makes a really uneven and unrelenting watch. Mm-hmm. Performances are mixed. Many of the supporting cast appear to have been picked for their ability to scream while chained into some form of device, device of torture or another. Samuel L. Jackson is top build next to Chris Rock. However, here he's pretty much a cameo. Um, so he doesn't have a major role in this. Um, that left the central leads with young cop on his first assignment, Max Minghella, son of the late Isle of Wight-based film directing legend, Sir Anthony Minghella, turning in a really decent role as Zeke's new unwanted partner. But it's to my surprise that Chris Rock, Chris Rock, an actor who almost appears to smile his way through any performance, like Jerry Seinfeld on Happy Pills, manages to dial in on Detective Barnes's emotional core and provides what, for me, is his best straight man performance to date. I really enjoyed season four of Saga of Fargo, but I never believed he was a middle-aged crime boss in the 1940s. Here, however, he carries the movie from scene to scene, indulging small elements of his funny bone, where in an opening scene, we see a really fun and very movie mouth friendly monologue about how he believes Jenny uh, from Forrest Gump was a total shit to Forrest. And that had the theater in stitches right at the start of the movie. But mostly um, he's just reacting to the horrors on display. And he actually shows really great depth in his character. Um, A really bold choice to lead this movie, a comedian with Chris Rock. Mm. And he totally pulled it off. So well, well done, sir. Um, it's also a movie that thinks it's incredibly smart. However, a plot twist towards the end of the movie was so telegraphed for me that it left me really cold and felt really patronized by the, the outcome. 
Um, this is a morbid movie and it won't do much to appease either the thinking person's cop thriller crowd or those looking for a quick fumble in the back of a date night screening. If anything, it will leave you with that spiraling feeling that it could have been a great one or the other. But ultimately, if you're a psychopath with a penchant for seeing people tortured to death without remorse or empathy, then you may be pleased you saw it. This gets a miss from me, but if you are game for some chills and spills, Spiral from the Book of Saw is available in most markets in a cinema near you. Puns ahoy. Puns ahoy. <laughs> Get your sons out, puns out. That's what I say. Come on, folks. Yeah. Summer's here. I don't think I ever want to see that film. I'm okay. not interested in the slightest Spiral Book okay. of Saw. Well, I'm glad that I had to go and see it. So that you could <laughs> I'm glad you went to see it. <laughs> All, all alone. Oh, the only thing I would say, it's an hour and a half. Oh, It doesn't right. hang around. That's it's, all right. Then. It, it's slight. Um, it looks pretty good. And, I changed my mind. I'm going to go and watch it. But yeah, I mean, if you know, I, I want people to go back to the cinema, so I don't want to be too hard on it. And I think if you're up for a horror movie, then you should go and see it. And yeah. if you want to see Chris Rock in a role that you wouldn't imagine him in and really pulling it off, then you should go and see it. And if you want to support your local cinemas, even if it is not the best movie in the world, ah, you should go and see it. Why not? Why not, eh? So, Phil. Yes. What did you watch this week? I watched I watched uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Oh, from the Book mm. of Clancy. And you have to say Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. That's what it's called. It's not just Without Remorse. <laughs> it's Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Tom Clancy's... Without remorse from the book of Tom Clancy. It's like Spaceballs, isn't it? It's like Spaceballs, the lunchbox, Spaceballs, the whatever, you know. It's like Tom Clancy's without remorse, Tom Clancy's bathrobe, Tom Clancy's <laughs> gone to McDonald's, Tom, Tom Clancy's <laughs> bought some sweet popcorn. <laughs> Tom Clancy, you had me at Tom Clancy's bathrobe. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Sorry, can I get one of those Tom Clancy bathrobes, please? <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it, would be, it would be a, a heavily tactical military bathrobe it'd be made out of like yeah webbing material Kevlar. and it'd have yeah. loads of velcro so you could attach Bulletproof. all sorts of pouches on it and things yeah every crime boss like in the world I'd like would one have of, one of Tom Clancy's bathrobes I don't Bulletproof. anyway tell us uh, about the film anyway sorry yeah sorry about that so this is based on the 1993 Tom Clancy novel of the same name uh, which I believe is originally set during the Vietnam War um, but this has been updated to uh, the more recent situations in Syria for the film. Um, and it follows Navy SEAL John Clark, uh, played by Michael B. Jordan, uh, whose pregnant wife is murdered uh, on American soil by apparent Russian agents looking for revenge after his special forces team took part in a hostage res- uh, rescue mission in Aleppo. A sausage so, rescue mission. A sausage rescue. <laughs> it's a really tasty sausage. They had to go and get it back. Secret recipe. Tom Clancy's so- sausage recipe. Tom Clancy's without mustard. Yeah. <laughs> um, without anyway. relish. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Assisted by his friend and commanding officer, Karen Greer, uh, played by Jodie Turner-Smith, uh, and Secretary of Defense, Clay, played by Guy Pierce. Uh, He goes up against the annoyingly smug twat of a CIA chief, Ritter, played by Jamie Bell, 
<laughs> who seems to be running some sort of like side hustle, uh, which involves appeasing the Russians. Um, so, you know, so what's going on there, Miles? We just don't know until you watch the film. Um, in essence, uh, when John is like let back into the field uh, on a black ops payback mission, it then just turns into a, a revenge-driven, run-of-the-mill action film, really. Um, but that's not to say it's bad. Like I, you know, performances are, are generally solid. Um, there's some good action sequences. It looks great, and it's really, you know, in my opinion, it's really well directed here by um, Stefano uh, Salima. Um, also has really good pace. Like it's a good length. Um, but it's just a bit of a seen it all done before movie it's it's the whole highly trained navy seal goes on revenge manhunt after seeing that in essence the country he has loyally served for years doesn't really give a shit about him so it's basically it's rambo first blood in the modern day isn't it yeah (laughs) that's just what it reminded me of watching the whole thing um but you know i quite enjoyed it it's it's a solid action film as i said it's got some good set pieces um kept me entertained so, you know, I'd definitely recommend it if um, if you're after a bit of political revenge action. Mm. Uh, what did you think? You saw it, didn't you, as well? Yeah, I, I saw it. I had the parenthesis, though, that I was, um, I was rec- oh, that day I was recovering from my second COVID shot and oh. I felt terrible and I, I put it on. And usually when I watch a film and I feel like that, I'm kind of done with it. I'm a bit like, mm, I didn't really enjoy it. But th- yeah. I actually enjoyed this. I like a bit of military sim. I like a bit yeah, of... I like a thriller. It's a, it's a very 90s thriller, I thought. Mm. Um, it did remind me a lot of the Charlie Sheen, Michael Bean movie, Navy Seals. <laughs> yeah, it's quite like that. Actually. A lot, like, yeah, yeah. when you think about it. Um, yeah. yeah, when you think of that. Yeah, well, yeah, no, no spoilers, but yeah, yeah. Coming yeah, into right. a video store corner near you. <laughs> um, I've watched that recently, you know. Yeah, no, me too. And um, so it did remind me of that, but I think the military stuff was done really well. I loved those military scenes and the set pieces I thought were brilliant. The opening yeah. um, set piece, you know, in, in Syria, the, some of the, the like, it's very like uh, visceral levels of like killings and gore. Yeah. Like people, you know, like the way that people are like executed or killed in this is like pretty hard hitting. Yeah. Considering that the tone is fairly like, you know, 90s thriller. Mm. Um, performances I think were, were, were mixed and varied but I, I do genuinely agree that I think they were they were generally pretty good um, but what I really like I do really like um, the the director I, I loved um, uh, he did Subara I don't know if you ever saw the Italian crime movie and then TV show yeah um, so he did Subara it, it. yeah and then he also teamed up with the with the writer of this um, uh, who was uh, Ty- uh, Taylor Sheridan uh, and he, they actually wrote, and then he directed um, Sicario Two. Yes, um, which uh, which I, I also really enjoyed. It was very similar to this. Uh, the one thing for me that was standout though was the cinematography. I loved how it looked. I thought it looked great. Yeah, like I thought it did look really good. Yeah, nice wide angles, just really. And it's funny, and the colors, the tones, everything. And it's funny. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, this reminds me so much. The way that this is shot reminds me so much of. Um, those kind of like early, like early mid two thousand kind of movies, like Constantine, right? Mm. Which is a movie that again doesn't have a great like level of depth, but the way that it's shot, it makes it, it kind of makes it you know an even better movie. And 
Lo and behold, after the movie, because I don't like to always do the research before, I like to just go with it and then mm. figure it out. Uh, I found out it was also shot by Philip Rousselot, who was cinematographer of Const- of Constantine. Oh right, and okay. it's just one of those those like little weird things, you know. Like he was, yeah. it, I love his work on Constantine. I think it look, it's one of the best looking movies I've I've ever seen. Yeah, and I loved, I really did love how this how this for the most part looked. And it's a shame it's not the best movie in the world. But if you're into that kind of genre, I think you know, yeah. it's on Amazon Prime. Give it a watch. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Good. All right. Well, that's two, let's say, slightly non-recommended movies that are kind of borderline recommendation, which is unusual for us. We usually give everything a recommendation. But this week, we have a recommendation, Phil. Good Lord. Yes. It is Wrath of Man. Wrath of Man. <laughs> this this sees director Guy Ritchie reteaming with his lock, stock, and two smoking barrels breakout star, Jason fucking Statham, as we follow his character, H, uh, a cold and mysterious character working at a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of millions of dollars around Los Angeles each week. This is a twist-heavy crime thriller, not a laugh-out-loud mockney geezer-thon with japes and jokes. It's ultra-violent with an incredibly well-planned-out and and shot uh, opening heist where we see the camera get loaded into the back of a of a armored truck and then is looking behind the, the driver and the passenger and kind of guiding around the streets of LA before this heist takes place at the start. Oh, it's cool. it's a bit like at the start of heat. You remember when the when the armored truck gets hit by the truck and it gets knocked off? It's like that, yep. but as if you were inside the thing for the whole heist. That's and really cool. It was really cool. It was the cinematographer on this was Alan Stewart who uh, you will know um, was the director of photography on Ready Player One. Yeah. Um, so he, he actually makes the cinematography in this almost a central character. And the camera, his camera kind of seemingly elevates this from what could be a kind of fairly by-the-numbers crime heist on paper into a really tense and claustrophobic affair, kind of mirroring the daily runs in an armoured car that the Stath and some of the other standout cast members like Holt McAnally who you remember from Netflix's Manhunter and Fight Club, um, and also uh, a return to form Josh Hartnett, who's in this. Mm. Um, and they have to obviously contend with this really kind of claustrophobic atmosphere and you feel like you're you're with them on that. Um, the, the, the plot is really well paced, really well put together. Um, it kind of chops and changes, jumps forward, jumps back in time. Um, it has a it has a, a really unusual mid- to late movie reshuffling uh, right. where the movie almost starts again in a different way. Not, not as in the movie's resetting, but it just as another movie is kind of beginning and right. it opens up the story and provides the kind of motivations behind the Stath uh, on his almost mute, you know, one man army man of vengeance character that, that we see here and kind of fills in those blanks. It, it also featured a really tense and bombastic finale and the cinema that I was in really dialed the soundtrack up to 11. The gunshots were deafening, deafening right. in the finale. And surely Guy Ritchie was ref- referencing the godfather of the crime heist thriller, Michael Mann, um, mm. in Heat, obviously, where they drop the soundtrack and you've got the gunshots ringing out during one of the yeah. heist scenes in, in that. But it was really cool. I, I, seeing this in the cinema was, was, was absolutely awesome. This is not necessarily what it appears to be on the outside. Um, considerably, considerably better than the trailer lets on for me. 
Okay. The trailer, when we discussed it, we were kind of like, we kind of know where it's going to go, like what happens and what, not true. It, this will keep you guessing. Mm. And while it, it, it never kind of hits the, the temperature of other cat and mouse movies, such as Heat, it's certainly medium hot. And it's great to see Guy Ritchie dialing down the overblown comedic japes of his more recent output and sees him in an inspired love letter uh, writing to some of cinema's greatest crime thriller heroes. And so with cinemas reopening all over the world right now, you really have no excuse to not load up, mask up and sit through Wrath of Man. A nice surprise of a movie and definitely a recommendation from the Movie Mouth podcast. Go see it. I want to. Yeah, I was jealous because when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, I'd, I think I'll really enjoy this. This looks right up my street. And then I saw that it was, I was hoping that we could like both review it, but then uh saw it was a cinema release only. I was like, Honestly, it, if, it, when the cinemas reopen in the UK, I highly recommend seeing it. I'm sure they'll st- it'll stick around for a while. Yeah. It's not the best movie of all time again, but no. it's just a really nice surprise of a movie. It, and it also has Jason Statham, telling Josh Hartnett's Dave character the, these immortal words, Dave, you just worry about putting your arsehole back in your arsehole and leave this to me before <laughs> blowing a load of people away. <laughs> That's um, why I want to see it. So go and see that. Good. Philip, my darling. Yes. It's time for this. Welcome to Video Store Corner. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> what do you fancy, <laughs> Phil? Um, well, this week. So I very much enjoyed last week's um, thing. So you can have that back. I did rewind it. I did rewind it for you. You can't um, So this week, I'd like, if you've got one, uh, a film that features... Um, Laser guns that are powered by diamonds and a talking ape. Amy, one, green drop, drink. <laughs> have you got that? Have you got one of those films? Uh, let me just have a look here. Um, oh, how about the... <laughs> I can't do that. I love this movie. He can't movie even so bring much. himself to do it. I can't. I don't want to give it away, to be honest. I don't want to rent it. I love this movie so much. I'm just, I want to hold on to it. But I'm, you know what? I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you rent it. Just make sure you bring it back. All right. Okay. All right. Yes. It's Frank Marshall's Congo. Um, marketing to capitalize on the creature feature that was 1993's Jurassic Park, Universal yeah. optioned another of writer Michael Crichton's Animals on a Rampage page turners, billed as the uh, from the creators of Jurassic Park. This killer ape picture saw JP B-Team, book author Michael Crichton, director Frank Marshall, producer Kathy Kennedy, and creature workshop maestro Sam Winston reunite to put cast Laura Linney, Tim Curry, Bruce Campbell, Dylan Walsh, and Winston fucking Zedmore himself, Ernie Hudson, through an expedition tackling such eclectic plot, plot challenges as reuniting a talking ape with its own kind, discovering the hidden treasures of the lost city of Zinge, and ultimately battling some of Hollywood's most believable white ape animatronics. Yes, it's the criminally underrated 90s ape 
Fest Congo. Wow. Phil, did you yeah. love this movie? No. <laughs> I, do you know what? I hadn't seen this before. Amy, I, kill Phil. Amy, <laughs> kill Phil. I thought I'd seen this before, but I, I watched this. I was like, I haven't seen it before. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, I rented it from like Amazon Prime. Okay. And don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. But it's pretty bad, isn't it? It's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty what's bad, bad about it? What what is bad about it? You tell me Everything. what's bad about it. Sit well, down. Should right, I read the plot to you? Take a seat. I know you've Have sort some... of covered it. Yeah, go on. Read the plot. Go on. I, I know you've covered it a bit, but so uh, this, I think this sort of brings it home a little bit. Um, so a megalomaniacal CEO sends his son into the dangerous African Congo on a quest for a source of diamonds large enough and pure enough to function as powerful laser communications transmitters, or is it laser weapons? Um, when contact is lost with his son and the team, uh, his sometime daughter-in-law is sent after them. She is a former CIA operative and accompanied by G-Wiz gadgetry and a few eccentric characters, including a mercenary, a researcher with a talking gorilla, and a nutty Indiana Jones type looking for King Solomon's mines. Um, so they set out to rescue her former fiance. Uh, what they all discover is that often what we worst want turns out to be the source of our downfall. I mean, sign me up. Yeah, I suppose so. That makes it sound better than it is. Freaking laser. All I want is sharks with freaking laser beams <laughs> on their heads. Do you know what I love yeah. about 90s movies? What yeah. I love about 90s movies pre-internet 90s movies like i know yes. the internet existed then but i'm talking about before it was ma- it was being massively consumed as a communications yeah. tool and a knowledge yeah, tool yeah. is that the 90s movies were obsessed with both lasers and satellites all of them yeah like a satellite <laughs> uplink yeah some yeah. kind of satellite uplink some kind of like really bad cgi satellite flying around in orbit laser yeah. beams coming out of their freaking heads you know like I just, I loved it. I was just like, we got to get that sat link up and running. You know, like these days, it's yeah. just like, you pick up your mobile phone and you're like, hey man, how's it going? Yeah, I'm just in Congo. What's going on? Oh, not much. Did <laughs> you right, get those cool. diamonds? Um, uh, let me go check. And here it's yeah. like, oh, glitchy video. Yeah, we got the uplink, the satellites in range. We got we to gotta <laughs> lock in on Bruce Campbell's signal and find out what's going on down there. I got Brilliant. so excited when I saw that Bruce Campbell was in it as well. He's like the first person you see on the screen, I think, isn't he? Yep. Uh, very excited. Massive Bruce Campbell fan. Uh, and spoiler alert, in it for all of a minute. Yeah, in it he for a minute. Have a lot of Bruce Campbellism in this, does he? Not really, no. It's very un Bruce Campbell like role. Yeah. He's brilliant. Straight Bruce Campbell. Man. He's brilliant. He looks yeah. great in it, though. Chiseled, doesn't he? He's chiseled as fuck, isn't he? His chin could cut that diamonds. Jellied, that jellied eyeball. <laughs> His chin could literally cut the diamonds. His chin, that's actually why they sent him in. They were yeah. going to use his chin to cut the diamonds. He was going to mine the diamonds beams. with his chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is basically it's it's a it's kind of an adventure movie, isn't it? It's like a kind of like uh, into the heart of darkness, um, you know, uh, King it's, Kong type, it's Indiana you know, Skull Jones Island type crossed story with uh, laser beams, laser beams and monkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny rewatching this. Like, so when I, I, I actually bought this on video as a kid, because right. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it had a very big theatrical run in the UK or it was, 
certainly, I think it was like a 15 or, or something. So it was a little bit above where I... I it's quite violent. I'll give it that. It's very it gory. It is. It and is. quite violent. It's, it's shockingly, like, I didn't think it was going to be. I, um, the thing that surprised me, considering you have a giant, like, ape's face on the video, on the poster, like, mm. how little this movie is really about apes. Uh, like, it's not yeah. until really the last, you know, third of the movie where you actually see the villainous white apes, you know, <laughs> and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not really, there's not a lot of, of apery in no. this. Um, not really. But it's some, it's some absolute crackers of scenes featuring Amy, the ape. That's, what was your favorite Amy scene? Uh, it's two. And <laughs> uh, the first one is where she gets served. Uh, they're on a plane going to the Congo. Yep. Yep. And uh, they ask, they get her to strap in, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the one, I think the one thing I said to my wife when we were watching it was like, there's no way they'd let, no matter how like domesticated that ape is, there's no way in hell they'd let an ape like sit and you know like not caged up basically in a plane yeah in a cargo plane there's no yeah. way and yeah. um she's like insistent because she can talk well, i think we should explain mm-hmm. that she's got a mm-hmm. like a nintendo power glove on mm-hmm. <laughs> that enables her to uh sign Complete super mario brothers 3 yeah she can sign language but it comes out as a voice basically yeah. so she can yeah. communicate she can talk and uh she sits down puts her seatbelt on and um and then demands a drink. And that drink is a martini. So you see well, the guy. It's a, a green drop drink. Green drop drink. That's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And he goes back, doesn't he? And he's got a cocktail shaker in this <laughs> in like, rubbish cargo plane. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his cocktail shaker. You see him like through yeah. this like curtain that's sort of half yeah. see-through. And uh, comes back with a martini with the stick with the olives on it. Uh, and she sits there supping. <laughs> It's very odd visual of a, an, an animatronic ape sitting in a plane next to this guy supping a martini. Well, she uh, kind of swigs it and then lets out a huge burp. She drinks uh, the whole yeah. thing. And, <laughs> and then Laura Linney looks over and goes, did you just serve that ape a martini? <laughs> yeah. But what I love, what I love about that, yeah. and you're absolutely right, it's, it's one of, visually one of the best scenes in the movie, if not in Hollywood history, yeah. is <laughs> the fact that he's serving, he does serve the ape a martini. But why in the name of sweet fuck does he put it in an actual glass martini Like a glass martini glass. To Maybe serve it's very her? particular. Why, why didn't he just put it in like a plastic tankard or a like... A beaker or something. A beaker, yeah. you know? Tommy why does he have to... And then he puts the little like olives in or like on the little like, <laughs> like metal glass. like straw thing. Very dainty. Very dainty. <laughs> I bet she would And she somehow picks it up like with, like with a finger and a little pinky outstretch, yeah. drinks the whole thing doesn't then smash it like on the armrest and then stab someone in the throat with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, just puts it back down. <laughs> it's brilliant. And then there's the other uh, scene featuring that where they get in, they, they arrive in the Congo and they mm. get, they meet Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Uh, Captain, uh, what's his name? Captain G- Kelly Monroe. Mon- Monroe. Kelly, uh, yeah, Captain Kelly Monroe. Monroe Kelly. That's his name. Oh, Monroe Kelly, the man with two first names. <laughs> Captain yeah. Monroe Kelly. Yeah, uh, they meet him and they get in the back of this like army truck thing, and he's mm-hmm. got a cigar and he's about to light, it and she grabs it and he has to, and she forces him to like light the cigar for her. So then they're both just sitting there having a chat, smoking cigars. <laughs> it's just yeah. fucking weird. He's just like looking at her, smiling, and she's like smoking a cigar, looking at him, and then yeah. it's like a real. She, she's got it in her mouth, one. and she's just looking at everyone like. No, she goes. He goes. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Dylan. Uh, oh, what the main guy? 
Yeah, yeah. He's sitting next to her, so he's like her companion, Dylan like looking after her. Really Dylan Walsh sits there, yeah, and he says, he goes, Amy, she's got the cigar in his mouth. He's like, Amy, Amy, don't inhale. And she just goes, <laughs> yes. inhales, and then like blows it in his face. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, we just have to stress, this is not a real ape. We're not laughing at an actual primate. I mean, being if, you think, if you watch it and think it's a real ape that you have, uh, you've never seen... Uh, any sort of science program or any yeah. pictures of real apes in you, your life. You're blind or you have severe psychological issues. Um, <laughs> you, are, you need to go to but, the But I will say, after a while, you kind of make peace with it, don't you? You're not oh, sitting yeah. there thinking it's an animatronic. Yeah, the you, first 30 you seconds, you're like, oh my God. And then the rest yeah. of it, you're like, all right, fine. Yeah, yeah. Amy, thirsty. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Ugly woman. Yeah, ugly woman. She calls uh, Laura Linney an ugly woman throughout the whole film. Yeah, she's ugly jealous. woman. Ugly woman. Uh, she's jealous. <laughs> she's jealous of her. Um, but no, brilliant. I, I really, I mean, the, like in terms of scenes for me, let's say non-Amy related, it has to be without a doubt their arrival in. I believe they're in Tanzania or or somewhere on or Zaire. No, they're going to Zaire. So they're, they're in going Tanzania. to Zaire. They're in Tanzania when they arrive. Yeah. And they go to see this local, uh, like, warlord captain, <laughs> um, which is just played by Delroy Lindo, yeah. like, movie mouth hero, yeah, Delroy Lindo. Definitely. Shout out to Delroy Lindo. We love you. From Lewisham. He's a Lewisham boy. Yeah, he is. Um, so there's this scene where they basically go to barter their way into Zaire um, in order to get to the Congo. And uh, they all sit down, like all the main cast sit down, Tim Curry and all that. And Tim Curry's got this really bad Romanian accent, hasn't he? It's, it's really bad. And they sit down with him and he says, he goes, no, they sit down and he goes, have some uh, coffee and cake. And they're like, like sitting there, like looking around like they don't really want it. He's like, have some. <laughs> and they're like, like okay. screams at them. Yeah, have some. And they like start eating it. And they're all like eating this cake and he's having a conversation with Ernie Hudson about getting across the border and all this kind of thing. Like you're like, oh, whatever. And um, and then he puts some money on the table and he's like, more. <laughs> and he like puts some more money on the table. And then he looks at Tim Curry and Tim Curry's like sitting there <laughs> with a mouthful of like sesame cake. Like, oh, like yeah. really. He even makes that noise. He's, he's like, he's oh. loving it. He's looking at the money like, oh, like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, he's, and he just, he looks over at him Delroy no looks over at him and he goes, Mr. Homoka, stop eating my sesame cake. Stop eating my sesame cake! <laughs> and like, Tim Curry just like regurgitates it. And, Spits uh, it out like, in his hand. He's, he's like, Captain, please, not uh, create problem. I don't understand. He's like, this fellow is a big bag of shit. And then he gets this little like cane, <laughs> like, like little horse whip, bull whip type cane thing. And he yeah. taps him on the cheek. And, it, and every time he utters a word, he taps him on the cheek. And he goes, this fellow is a big bag of shit. And he's just like <laughs> sitting there completely embarrassed. And he goes, yeah. I will ask you to wait outside. I will ask you to wait outside. And this guy just comes in from behind out of nowhere, just grabs Tim Curry by the shoulder. <laughs> Tim Curry's like, oh! and he like pulls him out. Like, oh! and, yeah. um, and, then, uh, and then they pass him the money. And he gets the money. And he puts it in a... In, for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I've been to Africa. I don't remember anybody having brown paper bags for anything, like groceries and stuff. But he puts it in this brown paper bag, this money, Delroy Lindo. And then he and then he starts stapling it shut. Yeah, I thought that was very unnecessary, that whole, like, stapling it shut. They make, they make yeah. a big thing of it as well. 
he staples it shut and he goes, don't want nobody peeking. And then he puts <laughs> yeah, it down on the floor next to his chair. <laughs> he's like, you can go. And then, yeah. and that's it. And that's the scene. And that's it's Delroy Linda. We don't see him again. No. Nope. But I want a spin-off. I want a Delroy Lindo spin-off of Congo with that character just, I you know, like story. a Hobson show. I want his back his backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. see where he is now. That's what I want to see. Wow. But that scene, when I was a kid, I remember watching that and me and my brother would cry with laughter. Like him being Tim Curry being called a bag of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> and it's that embarrassment of like, he says, you know, have the sesame cake and you're eating it. And he's like, why are you eating my sesame cake? Like, Stop yeah, eating it's like my sesame cake. He's told you know? him to eat the cake and then he's it, telling him to stop eating it. It's, just it's like so flexing his power, isn't it? It's very, he's flexing his power and it's very passive aggressive. And I brilliant. fucking love it. <laughs> and I love Delroy Lindo. And just, again, he was robbed at the Oscars. I'm sorry, but he was. He was. Um, so speaking of like hilarious moments, what were some of your favorite lines of dialogue from this movie, Phil? <laughs> well, there's a bit, it's not a line, but I, I've got some lines that I'm going to, but there's one bit that really did make me laugh. It's where they're all camping overnight and um, uh, the Dr. Elliot like wakes up. This is uh, Dylan Walsh. Um, and he wakes up and he's got like a, a leech, isn't he, on his cock. Oh, yeah. He a sees leech it. He's like, oh, and he like comes out of... Um, Go, like scrambles out of his tent and he like runs up to any Hudson. He's like, oh, I've got, I've got this thing on it. And he's like, look, <laughs> he like peers in and he's like, oh, you've got a leech. Yeah. And he's like, well, get it off. He's like, burn it with this. And he gives him his cigar. And he's always smoking a cigar. Like a Hamlet and, and cigar, do you know what? Like a very I think I found, cigar. yeah, very thin, a cigar. mild like a cigar. <laughs> but the thing I found hilarious is like, you see him walk off into a bush and he like focuses on his back and he like burns it. But as he burns it, they make a little like sound effect of the leech screaming. It's oh, the they? leech goes, <laughs> and the leech goes, oh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I fucking pissed myself for about five minutes watching that. I thought that was Dylan Walsh doing that. Oh, no, it's the leech. He killed the leech, oh. didn't he? so it screamed. You hear like a, oh. and it's like, ah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's like a ridiculous sound effect that they didn't need. Oh my god. It really That's made so me laugh. And I, I like that. He goes back to, to Ernie Hudson. He goes to give him back his cigar. And he's like, keep it. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> yeah. Keep it. Yeah. Oh, I loved I, I we are, We got to talk about, before we, we talk about more lines, we've got to talk about Ernie Hudson's British accent. Yeah. Because he's British. Now, he pulls up in a Jeep with a Union Jack on the side. Oh, because I, I was trying to decide. I didn't notice that because I was trying to decide if he was meant to be British or if he's just like well-spoken American. Because I find like some, when you listen to characters like, um, two examples, um, Stewie Griffin from Family Guy. Yeah. And um, what's, uh, and Miles or Niles Crane from. Um, Niles Crane. Niles Crane from yeah. um, Frasier. Yeah. When they're that well-spoken and American, yeah. to me, mm-hmm. I find it, for some reason, I find it hard to discern to, the difference. To discern they're not it's, British. It's, that's called a mid-Atlantic accent. Right. So um, it's 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 somewhere in between, and it's usually the, an, a more upper-class American accent, you know, that's yeah. come through. And uh, But I think, like, with Stuart Griffin, I think he's supposed to be British because there's that whole... Have you seen the episode with... And we're, we're going off on a tangent. Have you seen the episode with Ian McKellen when he's, a, a like, a psychotherapist and he's <laughs> no. analysing Stewie, and obviously he's English... Right. He's like, he's like, you know, and I, I have an English accent. And Ian McKellen's like, do you? I don't think that's an English accent. And <laughs> oh, then right. he talks in his real accent and he sounds like a young, like Peter Griffin. 
Right, okay. So it's like they are trying to get give him that, but they're also ripping him for the fact that it's not quite an English accent. Right, that, like, I got it. That mid-Atlantic thing. But, I mean, Monroe Kelly, Ernie Hudson, when he turns up, he's got his accent. I love his, his line. He turns up and he's like, they're all sitting on a runway somewhere in, in Tanzania, and he's like, I'm your great white hunter for this trip, though I happen to be black. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a really cool, like, little really cool like, intro. He's very, yeah. like, Bond-esque type character. He's, yeah, he's so uh, smooth in this. He I think is that's, smooth. He's smooth. And I think, well, let's talk about, well, no, I, I just think that he, if it, he's my favorite character in this film. And he has yeah. Captain Monroe yeah. Kelly. Yeah. He's, because if, you know, if there's anyone that was going to take you through the jungle, you'd want it to be him, wouldn't you? Yeah. He like knows, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. good in a firefight. And yeah. uh, he's very calming. He's not phased by anything, is he? No, he also has a terrible memory because if you remember, there's a scene where throughout the whole film, he keeps seeing Tim Curry's uh, Herkimer Hamolka, <laughs> and, um, which sounds like <laughs> some kind of like Polish delicacy. Sounds um, like a dance. <laughs> the, Hamolka, the Hamolka Polka. Yeah, Hamolka Hamolka, you know, <laughs> very big in Sheboygan. Yeah. Chicago, Sheboygan. Um, <laughs> no, and, uh, but he, he, he keeps saying, Ernie Hudson keeps saying, Oh, you know, how do I know that face? I remember you from somewhere to him. And then eventually he realizes he's like, as I recall it, you were on an expedition some years ago in uh, central Zaire and uh, you were the only person to survive. And I had to drag you out of the desert, uh, out of the jungle myself. And it's like, he only how figures would you not that remember out. That? <laughs> he, yeah. Like he only figures that out like later in the film after spending this like six weeks or whatever on this expedition. With him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, how many people has he dragged out how of the many, jungle? And how many eccentric Romanians has he dragged out of the jungle? I would say probably quite a few <laughs> from the look of things. I also love that scene uh, when they're around the, the campsite and there's all the monkeys like having sex, that monkey sex oh, yeah. noise because of the full moon. And he's like, yeah, yeah. he's like, it's a full moon. When there's a moon like that, every monkey for miles thinks he's Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's freaking weird. Oh, God. Any other famous favorite lines? Uh, I do There's like so it when um, they do find like the, you know, spoiler alert, they find the mines at the end, yeah. like the Solomon's mines. And Hamolka goes like, so that's why Solomon's mines were never found. The myth of the killer ape is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the most ridiculous like B movie lines out there. I know. Yeah. He picks up the diamonds and he goes. Every word of it was absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, his, head, like, his head gets squashed like a fucking grape, doesn't it? Oh, it, it? does, yeah. yeah. Bloody it hell. goes, the last like five minutes of the film is absolutely mental. <laughs> it's mental. It's mental. There's just and it's lasers. Prefaced by, it's prefaced by, so they find the lost city of Zinge, right? And in, it's on a Zinge. mountain, it's on a volcano, and it's prefaced by someone uttering the line, um, by the way, that volcano is going to blow. It could be a week or it could be a, a matter of minutes. Yeah. And you're like, all right, it's going to, the volcano gonna is going to blow. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> a week, it's like a week or like a matter of minutes. Oh, so it is going to happen within the timeline of this film. <laughs> so go on, Phil. What is the, can you just sum up the end of this film? The end of the film, uh, they find the mythical King Solomon's mines mm -hmm. full of diamonds, big fuck off diamonds as well. Um, which are <laughs> protected by an ancient race of grey gorillas. Mm -hmm. 
who are like genetically modified. They're like really yep. ultra violent, quick, uh, just rip your face off in like seconds. Like they, mm-hmm. they'll just hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. Like, hor- horrible ways. Rip your head off, you know, throw yep. it at you as which happens. Pull, like, pull your eyeball uh, out and throw it yeah. and toss it to so, you if you're sitting. Yeah. On the last few minutes chocolate. is basically nearly everyone dying in a horrific, uh, monkey attack. And, um, then, um, they use the laser gun, which is seen mm-hmm. earlier in the, uh, in the film, mm-hmm. uh, load a diamond into it to power it up. And then she oh, yeah. just goes, it's Laura Lenny. She just goes on like this absolutely horrific monkey massacre while a volcano mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just crazy. It's mental. This film, mm-hmm. everything's collapsing. There's lava everywhere. There's killer monkeys and there's Laura, Laura Lenny, like killing the monkeys that aren't jumping into the lava, the, the lava, uh, yeah. like by cutting them in half, cutting their, splitting them in half with this laser gun while they're yep. trying to escape. Yeah. And then they all escape in a hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck did that hot air balloon come from? It was in one of the, f- uh, the cases that was in the crashed plane. What? The other, team that came oh to look okay yeah, yeah yeah okay and okay. when they're in the hot air balloon <laughs> he says uh the doctor goes to laura linney goes uh it, like monroe goes there's a wind and the doctor elliot goes i hope it blows us someplace good and laura linney goes yeah. me too yeah. <laughs> and then amy looks up doesn't she with her little glassy like like synthetic eyeballs and her weird <laughs> eyelids that don't fully close because she's an animatronic. Animatronic, yeah. And she looks up at sadly and watches watches them fly away and then fly turns past. back around and then goes over to her uh fa- new, her new family, family of family. silverback gorillas and yeah. you have the Hey Hodo Hodi I love the music to this by the way. It's good. The music is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um the other great line is uh, Peter Elliott going, oh no, the bad apes have the crystal lasers. What about what about Eddie, just before we do trivia, what about Eddie Ventro? Joey Pantolino. Oh, yeah, the Fratelli Joey brother. Pants. Yeah, yeah, the, one of the Fratelli brothers from the Goonies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I love he's him. Good in Brilliant. Yeah. He's good in Brilliant. He's also in uh, Memento and Make the Matrix, isn't he? Yep. Um, Neo! And he's like, they turn up and he's like the fixer, isn't he? Like the operations guy. And he's, he's yeah. got this really thick New York accent. He's like, they're sitting on this cart, like driving from one plane to another with like explosions going on in the background and gunshots and like African soldiers running around, like from left to right across the screen. And he, and he, uh, Amy's sitting on the back, like Amy scared, Amy scared. <laughs> and he goes, whoa, a talking gorilla. I felt the money hairs on the back of my neck going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Love it. The money hairs. The money hairs on the back of my neck. Uh, yeah, let's do some trivia then. So I've got a few bits for this. <laughs> Ernie Hudson stated that playing the character Captain Munro Kelly is his personal favourite from his career. Amazing, amazing. Uh, I th- I think I'm going to go on record here. I think this serves him better than both Ghostbusters films. Yeah, I'd say so. He, well, he doesn't really do much in the Ghostbusters films. In this, no. he's got like a a lead like role, isn't he? He's, yeah. And he's really good at it. Like he's yeah. good, good. You know, as yeah. for, for for how good you can be in like a really yeah. sort of quite rubbish nineties uh, film. There is nothing rubbish about this movie. <laughs> Carry on. Stop offending me. 
Okay. Uh, Bruce Campbell auditioned for the role of Dr. Peter Elliott, uh, but he was given the small part of Charles Travis instead. That makes me sad. I think he would have been good as Peter Elliott. I think he probably would have been too alpha and they needed something a little softer. Maybe, yeah. Peter maybe. Elliott was quite, Dylan Walsh played it quite well as like this kind of nerdier, yeah. uh, empathetic. You yeah, know. I think Bruce Campbell looks quite sort of I think manly, you could have had Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Campbell in the in the um, Ernie Hudson role. I think you could have had him in that role. You yeah. Know, I think he, without the accent, obviously, because I'm yeah. sure he has a terrible English accent as well. <laughs> but but personally, yeah. I loved Ernie Hudson. I think he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although not featured in retail versions of this movie, there appears to be a rare phenomenon where most viewers distinctly remember a scene with a laser-wielding monkey. Hmm. So this is yet to be to have been discredited by the writers. Like apparently this is some like ancient like this is a a myth that like people believe is true that there is footage somewhere of a scene with the la- the monkeys have the lasers. Right. Which you know there's that line as well which sort of yeah, I don't know. I want to see it. I want to find out. Um this is interesting. The diamonds used for the scenes uh during the climax of the movie were actually Herkimer diamonds borrowed from the Herkimer diamond mines of Middleville, Ooh, New York. Wow. They are, they are doubly terminated, two-ended, uh, quartz crystals that are found in only two places in the world. They were the only gems that would look enough like diamonds and be that large. As a kind of tribute, Tim Curry's character, uh, character's first name is Herkimer. Mm. Uh, his character does not appear in the Michael Crichton novel upon which the movie was based. Wow. So they just put him in it for the diamonds. Wow. Um, executive producer and director Frank Marshall originally intended to use the computer work pioneered on Jurassic Park, uh, 1993, so two years before this, for the gorillas, but opted for models as the computers weren't capable of reproducing hair. Can you imagine if they did rubbish computer apes? I I have to say, like like I said, towards the end of this movie, the the work that Stan Winston's workshop did on the apes, I thought was brilliant. Like, even like the, the, the bad apes, like the grey apes, I I actually think they were decent. I think they were yeah. decent. I don't uh, they think, were. I wasn't sitting there watching as a guy in a suit. It wasn't like it no. wasn't like two thousand and one, and it wasn't like Planet of the Apes. It yeah. was it was definitely better than that. And they'd obviously oh, yeah. Yeah. you know work well on 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 the animatronics. And those practical effects, I love some of those practical oh, effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You but know? you know, they did the whole Indiana Jones type sets. You know, crumbling scenery and Amazing. stuff. There's, I, you've got to say, a lot of sets in this must have spent a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. I think it was $50 million they spent on this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was a lot. Um, I wonder how much it uh, made back. Let's see, actually. So it had a $50 million budget and it made back eight, uh, $152 million. So actually oh, it did make money back. It made $100 million back. Not bad. Yeah. I like that in my bank account, please. Yes, please. $100 million, 100 million bucks. Um, this is interesting. Hugh Grant and Robin Wright both declined leading roles. Ooh. Imagine that. Would have been a different film, wouldn't it? That would have been. Um, Dylan Walsh played Dr. Peter Elliott, a primatologist mm. who's returning a gorilla to the wild. The real Peter Elliott is a gorilla choreographer and ape performer in many movies, including this one. Oh. So that's the name of the ape choreographer. They gave him the character name. So cool, again, was he not in the book? Uh, I well, not. I don't know. I guess not. I guess not. No. Yeah. I want to read the book now. Um, yeah. 
And then lastly, if you read the Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park and the Lost World, Michael Crichton books, vastly different from the movie. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, bit of trivia, which I just I think you need to know, is that Captain Munro Kelly carries a custom M one nine nine one one A one pistol with an extended target front sight, a Bomar rear sight, and Safari Arms ambidextrous safety. Oh, thank you, Phil. Slides the glasses back up the nose. (laughs) Thought you needed to know that. Brilliant. And that's the end of my trivia section. I just think that Congo is one of the most overlooked like action-adventure movies from the 90s. It, I watched it again for the first time in years, and I, it was one of my go-to like sick-day-at-school movies on video, and I really enjoyed it. it. I think it holds up really well. I don't think it's like... It, it's done really well. It's put together really well. There are some great scenes in there. There's some like really like shonky effects, but it's not it's not it's not a terrible movie. It's not a low budget movie. It's I think no. it's done really well. I also would say something we haven't really mentioned um, is Laura Linney's performance in this elevates the rest of the movie and the rest of the cast because I yeah. think that you've got a lot of you know these kind of out there characters, but her like solid like Dr. Karen Ross character and the way she reacts that she's clearly from watching this movie like a, a cut above many of the other kind of performances in it. Yeah. Um, and, and really dry, kind of drives the movie in, in certain ways as well. I think she's yeah. really, really good in this. Yeah, it's a good role uh, for her. But... Yeah. Yeah. I guess you kind of could see that she was going to go pretty stratospheric from this. But yeah, yeah. I um, I don't know. I, I loved it, to be honest. Yeah. I, as I said, I can't believe I hadn't seen it before. I'm glad I've now seen it. Uh. I think I might have always got this film mixed up and I don't know why now I'm thinking about it, but I think I got this and Outbreak like confused. Mm-hmm. It was a big, there was a lot of like, they were both around that same time, right? Chaos, primate chaos coming out around that time. Yeah. Um, but you know, I did enjoy it. It's, this is pure nineties fun, isn't it really? Yeah. Yeah. Not taking itself too seriously, but as I said, it's weird because you think it's going to be like family fun, but it's really not. <laughs> it's really no. not. Not with the amount of gore and death that's on uh, that's involved. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, a Sounds classic. Good. Should we go uh, share a couple of green drop drinks? <laughs> a couple, a couple of martinis in a plane. Should we? Yeah, from right. now on, I'm only going to refer to martinis as green drop drinks when I, I walk into a bar. I will give you fifty p if you go. To I'll be a like, bar. you know the. Can I get a glass of the, oh, fuck, you know, the green drop drink? I wanted to see a video of you on the Movie Mouth Instagram page of you ordering a green drop drink at your next bar visit. Well, I might be able to do that tonight because I'm going out tonight. Well, there so you go. I'll, I'll, I'll order a green. I'm going to the. Uh, I'm going to see the New York, the Brooklyn Nets play in Brooklyn tonight. I don't know if they'll have martinis, but that'd be even more funny because I'll be at a sporting event asking for a green drop drink. Even better. Should I do it in a, can I do it in a, a Herkimer Homolka accent? Yeah. Say, Miles want green drop drink. And then see what happens. <laughs> but what the, what the fuck are you on about, sir? Phil, do you have any last words? Um, yeah. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> Don't want nobody peeking. Join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast, slice of movie and TV-related podcast fun. But before then, please, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe or give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player 
of choice. Phil, God bless you, sir. Thank you for joining. As per usual, well Thanks done for, for joining. everything. I'm and always here. <laughs> I live here. <laughs> well, you got to thank me for joining now. Thanks for joining as well. You're very Give welcome. Me, Honestly, me company. I, I like to bless you with my appearance from time to time. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Hope you have a great week and we'll look forward to speaking to you and for you to listen to us on the next Movie Mouth podcast. Bye-bye. Ta-ta then. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>